Praise the Lord. Welcome in to another Soar of Seeds podcast. I'm your host, Ted Johnson. And as always, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Uh, just continue to remember our nation, remember everyone that is affected by COVID, uh, and just uh, remember our president and uh, all the ones that are in charge of our nation. Let's remember them. Our kind and gracious, loving, heavenly Father, God, I thank you, Lord, for this another privilege to bow and call upon your name. Know, God, that beyond a shadow of a doubt that you hear and answer our prayers, dear God. Lord, it may not be in our time, but it's always in your time, and you're never late. And God, I ask, Lord, that you would just be with this podcast, God, that you would just bless it, Lord, and just send it out, dear God, that it may help someone in some way, dear God, to get closer to you, dear God, to understand their will of what you want them to do, dear Lord, and just, God, just give them strength and boldness to go out and do a job to fight against the evil and to witness to people, Lord. God, just move in a great and a mighty way in it. And Lord, just touch my mind and my lips, dear God, that I may speak the words, dear God. Lord, that it may, may help someone, dear Lord. God, just be with our nation, our nation's leaders, dear God. Lord, I pray, God, that you would just move in a great and a mighty way. God, just just continue to have your way and, and, and show up, dear God, and show out and let them know that, that, that you are the one that is in charge and they are not. And be with each and every one, Lord, that is with uh, that has been affected by COVID, where they've lost loved ones, they're sick, uh, they are caring for the sick uh, in whatever means, Lord, and, and the ones that are uh, that are cleaning up in the hospitals and the nursing homes, dear God, and the janitors and the receptionists and all these different people, dear God, that are around this. Lord, I pray, God, that you would just be with them, just put a hedge of protection around them, Lord, and just touch them, dear God, in a great way. And, Lord, I just thank you, Lord, for each and every wonderful gift you've given us this day. In Jesus' marvelous name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, we're still into uh, talking uh, Moses talking uh, to the people before they go over to the uh, promised land, the land that flows with milk and honey. And we're getting into the miscellaneous laws now, uh, the uh, I guess you would call them maybe the lesser laws, but they uh, they're not any not really any degree lesser. They're they're just as important as any other laws uh, that God has given Moses to give to the people. And and you know I know we have a lot of, of laws and everything in this land that we have to abide by, and we are to abide by them. Uh, we are to abide by the laws that man makes until they come in direct contact or direct contradiction of what God tells us to do. When they tell me that I can't go to church and I can't read my Bible, then I've got a problem with that. Otherwise, I'm going, I'm going to obey every law that there, well, I'm going to try to obey every law that there is. Um, you know how we are sometimes. But, you know, 
I guess the one law that I break more than any of them is, is speeding and, <laughs> and we won't go there. But anyway, we're in Deuteronomy chapter 24, starting in verse 10. And when it's talking about lending money, uh, matter of fact, we, we started on that last time about how that, uh, you know, we're not to, we're to lend money to uh, people, but we're not to lend it with usury. In other words, we, we lend it to our brothers and our sisters, but when we lend it to them, we, we shouldn't expect more than, than what they borrowed from us back. And actually, the Bible really actually tells us to lend it without expecting anything back whatsoever. But, and he said, any stranger, uh, any uh, other, anybody other than your your brother or your sister, uh, you can lend them money. You can lend them money with usury. You can lend them money and and uh, take collateral or uh, for it. And uh, but he said if you do that. For a brother and sister, uh, there's restrictions on what you can take and what you can't take. And, you know, if, if something happens that the person can't pay you, uh, then you are allowed to go take whatever uh, that they have set up for collateral. But you can't go into his house and take whatever it is that he said that he would give you if he couldn't pay you. You are to wait outside, and he is to go inside and get whatever it is and bring it out to you. And you cannot go in and take away from uh, the brother anything that has to do with them making money. Uh, the Bible talks about the, the millstone. He said you uh, not take either... Uh, there's two different types of millstones at the top and the bottom, and they have a name, and I, I forgot. Um, neither or upper. You can't take the neither or the upper millstone uh, from a man because that's the way he makes his money. And if you take that away from him, he is not going to be able to make money to pay you back. So you can't do that. And... If you take uh, somebody's clothes away from them, um, which, you, you know, you're not really, by the way the Bible put it, you're not supposed to do that because you've got to take them back to that person and give them back to that person before the sun goes down because he needs those clothes uh, to sleep at night. But, uh, and, and it's talking about... Uh, Delivering a pledge. Uh, if any case thou shalt deliver him the pledge again when the sun goeth down, that he may sleep in his own raiment and bless thee, and it shall be righteousness unto thee before the Lord thy God. That was verse 13 of chapter 24. And verse 14. Thou shalt not oppress a hired servant that is poor and needy, neither whether he be of thy brethren or of thy strangers that are in thy land within thy gates, all this day at his day thou shalt give him his hire, neither shall the sun go down upon it, for he is poor and setteth his heart upon it, lest he cry against thee unto the Lord 
and it be sin unto thee. If you have someone that you have hired to do something and they do that job, you are obligated to pay them within the, the restricted time. And, and back then, <coughs> um, they a lot of times they went into the, the uh, marketplace and they would find people standing around and they would uh, go up to them and hire them to go work for them for a certain amount. At the end of the day, when uh, uh, when the, the shift was over, uh, you, they were expected for you to have their money there with them before they left your property. And you were supposed to have it. You were supposed to pay them. They'd done the work. They worked hard all day long. They are very poor people. They don't have a whole lot, and they need this money. They're counting on this money, so it's up to us to pay them and not try to cheat them out of it for some reason. Uh, the father shall not be put to death for the children, neither shall the children be put to death for the fathers. Every man shall be put to death for his own sin. In other words, um, if your son, if your son or daughter does something against God, that doesn't mean that that you're going to go to to uh, hell because of it, or if you done something, that doesn't mean that your children are going to go to hell for it. They're going to pay for their own sins. I'm not responsible for your sins, and you're not responsible for my sins. But we are responsible for living a life in front of each other to where that they can see God in us and know that the things that we do are righteous and godly and are right and uh Live, let them. We need to uh, live an example around people to where that they will see something different in us and figure out just exactly what it is. And this way, our not only our words, but our life will become a, an example, a Christian example to the people. Uh, as I have stated once before, you know, it's it's not so much to teach God's word but we have to live it first because our actions are judged and watched a whole lot more than our words are. And still yet our words are judged, but they, they see how we act first and then they judge our words and, and make and see our words and our deeds. And they put those together and, and they figure out, exactly what we are living for and how we live. Thou shalt not pervert the judgment of a stranger, nor of the fatherless, nor take a widow's raiment to pledge. But thou shalt remember that thou was a bondman in Egypt, and the Lord thy God redeemed thee thence. Therefore I command thee to do the thing. Do this thing. Forgive do not hold somebody ransom. Do not hold uh, them accountable for something that you know that there is no possible way for them to get back to you, to give back to you. Do not take everything that they have. Do not put them even deeper in debt and more in, in the poorhouse, as the saying goes, than what they are. You are to help them out instead of kick them when they're down. And this is the fatherless and the widows 
Those are the ones that we are supposed to be helping in the strangers. We are supposed to be helping those. No matter if they are of our nationality or what, we're supposed to help whoever, whenever we can. And that is one of the things that comes from God. Now then he's, he's going to talk about the fatherless and the widows and the strangers and he and he's talking about them right now, and he's telling them that you know that they they don't need to pervert the judgment against them, and and they don't need to uh, cause them any more grief than what they have. And they, when you go out and you glean your or you uh, bring your harvest in, your harvest of wheat and everything, and you left a, a, a some of it laying out in the field, you forgot to get it. He said, "Don't go back and get it. Leave it." The fatherless and the widows and, and the strangers, they'll go in and they'll get that. And by you doing that, by you leaving that there and them being able to get that, God will give you a blessing also. And he said, and when you beat your olive trees and, and all the great, all the olives come off of it and you gather those all up, he said, you don't do it again. You leave whatever's left on there for the fatherless and the widows and the stranger, same way with your grapes. When you go through and you pick all your grapes off the vines and you gather those in, you don't wait a little while and go back and do it again. You leave, you do it one time, and then you leave the rest of it for the stranger and the fatherless and the widow, and that way everybody is taken care of. See, the Lord, the Lord not only makes a provision here for the people that um, have substance and, and have uh, quite a bit and are able to grow uh, olive yards and, and vineyards and have uh, fields of wheat and corn and things like that, but he also makes provision for those people that don't have. Those people that for some reason or another, they they don't have any land. They, uh, their husband died, their, their parents are dead, and they're basically on their own. And, you know, when uh, a woman's husband died her, back then, her source of income, her source of food coming in was cut off right there. That was it. Uh, and we're going to get into a, uh, a little bit of Naomi and uh, Ruth in a little while. And see, when, when Naomi's husband died and Ruth's husband died, they were, and they were basically left on their own to defend for themselves. And um, one of them had to go out to the field and glean in the field so that they could have enough to eat. And this is what the Bible was talking about. Those that are left, those are, that are widowed, those that have no parents at all, they they have to supply for the family, even though their father at one time was done that, and it's it's hard for them to do that uh, because they really don't know how to do it. They have not been taught how to do that. Their job was to to take care of the parents and to uh, take care of the the husband and the children, and the children's job was to learn and to grow. And so that they could go out and, and uh, make a life of their own. But now then, their father's gone, so their, their teacher is gone, 
their husband, their provider, he's gone. So now then they're having to do this for themselves. The Lord said, you leave, you leave some in the field. You don't go in and run these people out of your vineyards or out of your olive yards or out of your uh, grain fields. You don't go run these people out. When you come, when you make that first cut, everything that's left, let them go in and get whatever's left over. And that's the way the people were taken care of at that time because they, 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 were, they uh, had a provision made for them by God to each and every one of the people that had the, the different types of fruits and, and uh, grains and stuff. They had a provision so that they could go in and they could um, have a way to sustain themselves. In verse 22, and it says, Thou shalt remember that thou was a bondman in the land of Egypt. Therefore, I command thee to do this same. In other words, he's saying, you know what it was like. You know exactly what it's like to be those people. Now then, I have blessed you with plenty, and there's still some people that are like that. So now then, you need to bless them the way that I have blessed you. In other words, pass the blessing on. Don't don't hoard it all up for yourself. See, that's that's the one thing that that we as Christians uh, we have a hard time doing. We have hard, a hard time of passing on the things that God's give us. I'm not talking about so much about uh, financial and uh, homes and stuff like that. I'm not counting so much about that. Is I'm talking about the things that the Lord teaches us. Uh, this is when that uh, uh, standing up in church and giving a testimony, this, this is when this comes into play. When the Lord has done something for you in a great and a mighty way, let people know about it. Let people know exactly what God was done, has done for you. This is the way that the Lord gets praise out of, out of what he has done for you. And if you don't tell other people about it, and if you don't pass along your wealth and, and whatever that the Lord has given you, if he's given you plenty, you don't pass it along, then you're not only cheating them out of a blessing, but you're also cheating yourself out of a blessing because it, you can't outgive God. Let me, let me tell you this right up front. Uh, I know for a fact that you cannot outgive God, okay, because... It seems like that every time that the Lord lays on my wife and I to do something for someone, it seems like that we get blessed more than the person that we give we give to. And, uh, you know, and I thank God for the abundance that we have and, and that we're able to do those things. I really thank God for that. I would like to do more. You know, there's, there's a lot of things that I would love to do for my church. But that kind of money I don't have. But I always pray and I always ask God because these things need to be done. They really need to be done. And there's a way. And I just want the, the <clears throat> knowledge and the understanding and the wisdom to know exactly how to get these means, needs met. Chapter 25, more miscellaneous laws. If there be a controversy between men, and they come into judgment, that the judges may judge them, then they shall justify the righteous and condemn the wicked. And it shall be, if the wicked man be worthy to be beaten, 
that the judge shall cause him to lie down and to be beaten before his face according to his fault by a certain number. Forty stripes he may give him and not exceed, least if he should exceed and beat him above these with many stripes, then thy brother should seem vile unto thee. <laughs> I don't know about you all, but every once in a while I'll get, I'll get to studying uh, for a mes- uh, message for the podcast or Sunday school, and I'll get to, to get to studying, and I'll come up on little nuggets like this. Uh, and I'll, I'll go off, and I'll start studying, studying on that, and it'll lead uh, off to somewhere else. And, and then I come back, and I go a little bit farther, and there's another little nugget that I need to find out about. And when I next thing I know, these two or three hours gone by, and I have not really gotten down to the meat of what that I wanted to get to and begin with. But as I got to studying about these stripes uh, that this man was, was to be beaten, uh, uh, if you go online and <clears throat> and Google this, uh, 40 stripes, the Jews had a limit that you could not beat a man more than 40 times you, uh, because anything above that would possibly kill the person. So the the Jews decide, okay, so, since we're going to do this, we're going to give them, uh, we're going to beat them, but it's going to be 40 times, save one. In other words, 39 times. So, okay, now then, <laughs> this, this, is my, this has been my train of thought this morning as I was studying. Uh, I've heard many times, uh, said by people teaching and by uh, people uh, preaching and everything that Jesus had 40 stripes save one and he was beaten uh, or scourged with a cat of nine tails. Nowhere in the Bible can I find that how many stripes Jesus was given or what he was beaten with. But the thing about it is, if you go back and you uh, search the history on the, the Romans and the Jews, they're the, especially the Jews, the Jews, when they punish someone, according to what their uh, punishment was, they would uh, give them up to 39 lashes. Uh, they wouldn't give them the 40, or they wouldn't go above 40. It was 39 because anything above that, uh, they said, would kill a person. And they they didn't want the person, even though they may have committed murder themselves, they didn't want them to die at that point because they wanted them to suffer a little bit more because of the, uh, because they had murdered someone because, excuse me, of the deed that they had done. So they would... And they used what they called a cat of nine tails. And, or, and they, later on, they shortened it to cat. And this was a short whip that had nine pieces of leather on it. Uh, in one place, it went into exactly how that it was made. And they took many pieces of, of leather and started uh, 
wrapping them together. And then when they got out so far, they, they made these nine different pieces come out of it and they would wrap those. But anyway, in the end of these pieces of leather, they would put either some type of metal uh, or some type of bone and sometimes even glass that they would put in the ends of this, each one of those whips on the end of that cat of nine tails. And they would, they would whip people with this. Uh, as we read there, uh, they would, um, if the person was worthy to be beaten, the judge would cause him to lie down right then and there, and they would beat him uh, before the judge's face so that he knew it, it was done and he knew that it was done the way that it should be done. And that when they would hit you with these things, those pieces of bone or metal or glass would, would leave marks, big furrows in your back. And we know uh, for a fact that Christ got beaten possibly with one of these things because it was a Jewish uh, tradition to do this and it was also a Roman to do, to, uh, tradition to do this. But as far as the stripes, uh, the Jewish they they stayed on the side of the 39 stripes and no more but now the romans they didn't have anything like that so the and the romans was the one that was actually delivering the punishment to jesus it was not the jews so you know that's that's where my thought went to as i was reading on this and but you know the thing about it is is by these stripes because of these stripes that were put on christ's back with possibly a cat of nine tails, these stripes, because of these stripes, our bodies are healed. And if you read in, uh, I believe it's uh, Matthew, I can't remember now exactly where it's at, but if you read the, the story of, of how Jesus was uh, chastised and, and how he was beaten and all the things that was hap- happened to him and all the prophecy they would, that would, the thing is, is by the, his stripes, in one place it says by his stripes we are healed, and another place it says by his stripes we were healed. So we definitely have healing because of these stripes that Jesus took for each and every one of us. And there's a, there's a lot of other things. If you, uh, like I say, if you go in and you Google uh, Jesus' stripes, if you go in and Google that, uh, there's a lot of other stuff in there that that is fascinating, but there's no proof of it, and there's no proof of exactly how many uh, stripes that Jesus did get. The Bible doesn't say, or what it was used to whip him with. But this is this is how that my some of my mornings go is. <clears throat> I'll get to studying on one thing, and the Lord will lead me off on something else and it's all good and it all fits together see i know that there is a a movement going around or used to be about the new testament church and they would only read and and uh, study out of the new testament but the whole bible the whole bible fits together perfectly and we can't have the new testament without the old testament or the new covenant without the old covenant the old covenant was everything was under the law in the old covenant. 
Everything was, was under the law. Jesus had not yet uh, been crucified, and he had not yet ascended to the Father and sat at the right hand to make intercession for you and I. He had not yet came down to this earth to uh, walk with uh, the apostles and, and the uh, disciples and everything and teach them what he needed to teach them and then went to the cross and to the to the grave and then to ascend into heaven. He had not done these things under the old law. Under the old law, you had to do the animal sacrifices. That's where we're at studying about today, of the children of Israel and all their different sacrifices uh, that they had to do and all the different rules and laws that they had. When we get finished with the uh, Old Testament or the Old Covenant, whichever way you want to call it, when we get finished with that and we go into the New New Testament, the New Covenant, we're going to find out that things are are quite different. Uh, as, and the thing about it is, is the Old Law, uh, the Old Testament, uh, your sins were covered by the blood, but they weren't exactly forgiven. Uh, this one thing, the high priest had to go in once a year into the most holy place, and he had to sprinkle the blood of animals upon the mercy seat of the ark. That rolled your sins back for another year. That, that, that put them under the blood so that you were... Uh, in a way, you were forgiven for those sins for another year. But in t at the next year, someone had to go in and put, and the priest had to go in and put the blood on the mercy seat to be rolled back another year. Under the new law, Jesus himself became the supreme sacrifice, the ultimate sacrifice. He died upon that cross and he shed his blood for the remission of sins. He carried each and every one of our sins upon him on that cross, so much so that the Father had to, to get up off his throne and turn his back upon his Son because he could not look at all the sin that was upon his Son. And he died there for us. And that was a one-time thing. We, on the other hand, we can ask for forgiveness for our sins daily if we need to. He will forgive us of our sins every time that we ask for forgiveness. Okay, when we initially come to give our heart and life to God and we ask God to forgive us of our sins, we repent of our sins, we need to turn from those sins and all other sins, and we need to follow Christ and not go back and do those sins. Still yet, there are some things that we do unintentionally, ignorantly, uh, heat of the moment, say something or do something that we shouldn't do that is a sin. It happens to me. It will happen to you. At that point, we need to stop. Whatever we're doing, we need to stop, and we need to ask God to forgive us of our sins. Forgive us for what we just done. Tell him what you, yes, he's seen, he heard, he knows. Tell him. Lord, I said this word that I should not have said. Please, please forgive me. 
Lord, I got mad and I smarted off to this person and I should not have done that. Lord, forgive me. Forgive me, please. Hey, this is experience talking, okay? I have had many times to pray these prayers, many times. And then I got to the point to where that I asked God, God, please help me with my temper. I had a very, very bad temper. That's my wife. I would go off. I mean, I'd go off in a split second. But I asked God to help me. I mean, I seriously asked God to help me with my temper. Lord, I'm getting tired of this. This, this is not what I need to be showing, what I need to be doing. If I want people to see you in my life, they don't need to see this part. This, this is not you. They don't need to see this. I need help with this. I want people to see you in me. This ain't you. This is me. I need this out of my way. And I got serious about it. And the Lord helped me with my temper immensely. Sure, every once in a while I'll start, I'll start to get angry and, I'll, and a word will come to my mind and I will stop it. And I'll ask God to forgive me. Forgive me. Yes, it's, it's hard to do. It's hard to do, but it can be done. But this, but getting back to to our to where our lesson, and these stripes that this person was to be given for this punishment, like I said, they give them the forty, but they couldn't go over forty because if they did, um, the Bible says, uh, if you should exceed and beat him above these with many stripes, then thy brother should seem vile unto thee. In other words. I have really made this person mad and they want to kill me. They they want to do me real harm. This is not because I'm being punished. This is because they don't like me. They 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 really hate me. They want to do me bodily harm. And we need to be very careful about how we judge our friends and our neighbors and our loved ones. We need to we need to be very careful about. Uh, listen, we may not <clears throat> we may not have a whip, a, a cat of nine tails, uh, that we whip people with, but we have something that is a whole lot worse off than any whip, any gun, or any sword, or any spear, or any bow and arrow that it was ever made. We have something each and every one of us have it, and it's it's worse than anything that has been made by man to kill and torture someone else. And that's our tongue. Our tongue. We can kill spiritually. We can kill uh, mentally. We can do harm to people quicker than with anything and with any other tool or a device that man has created to do harm to people, we can do more with our tongue than we can with uh, than anything else in this life. So yes, we need to be very careful. 
The tongue lashing is a whole lot worse than any uh, lashing with a whip that anybody could ever get. Because the thing about it is, is, is once it's done, it don't heal very good. It takes it a whole lot longer to heal. You can take somebody and, and beat them with a cat of nine tails and take them and dress their wounds and wrap them up and, and put uh, medicine on them, and eventually they will, they will heal. They may leave scars, but they will heal. But when you uh, go out and lash out against somebody with your tongue, a lot of times it don't never heal. It, it's always there, and people don't forget that very easily. Verse number four, thou shalt not muzzle the ox when he treadeth out the corn. If brethren dwell together and one of them die and have no children, the wife of the dead shall not marry without unto a stranger. Her husband's brother shall go in unto her and take her to wife, take him to wife, and perform the duty of a husband's brother unto her now then as i was reading this 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 uh this gets very um not complicated but uh very family oriented uh if per se that uh i got married and for some reason i passed away then if my brother well, my brother then was to take my wife unto him to be his wife and to raise up seed unto me and to uh, still carry on my legacy and to actually everything that he does, he would do in the place of me. He would do it for me. And if for some reason that... Uh, I didn't, my brother did not want to take my wife and to, and to his own for whatever reason. Then he had to go to the elders of the city, to the gates of the city. And uh, see, let me read that. And it shall be that the firstborn which she bears shall succeed in the name of his brother, which is dead, that his name be put be not put out of Israel, and if the man like not to take his brother's wife, then let his brother's wife go up to the gate and to the elders and say, "My husband's brother refuses to rise up unto his brother a name in Israel. He will not perform the duty of my husband's brother. Then the elders of the city shall call him and speak unto him. And if he stand to it and say, I like not to take her, <clears throat> then shall his brother's wife come unto him in the presence of the elders and loose his shoe from off his foot and spit in his face and shall answer and say, So shall it be done unto that man that will not build up his brother's house and his name shall be called in Israel the man the the house of him that hath his shoe loosed. Now then this was a a uh, different 
thing that I, I'm trying to think of the word uh, that uh, people had to do back then. Uh, if my brother died and I did not take his wife unto me and she went to the elders, she went unto the gate of the city and to the elders and told the elders what was going on and I went to them and I told them, no, I did not want to. Then uh, they would, she would come over, unloose my shoe, take it off, spit in my face. And then I, I would basically be, be marked because my house would be the, the house of the one whose shoes is loosed. Now, if we go over to, to Ruth, uh, if, let me find Ruth right quick. I know that I should have marked that. Uh, Ruth chapter one. Well, if I ever find it, but Ruth and her two, two daughter-in-laws, uh, Ruth's husband died. And then shortly after that, her two daughters in law, their husbands died. Ruth's sons, they died. Uh, Let me, let me find that right quick. Uh, verse 1 of Ruth. Now it came to pass in those day, in the days when the judges ruled that there was a family in the, famine in the land, and a certain man of Bethlehem, Judea, went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. And the name of the man was Emelech, and the name of his wife, Naomi. And the name of his two sons, Mahalon and Chilion, Ephronites of Bethlehem, Judea. And they came into the country of Moab and continued there. Now then, Emelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left and her two sons. And they took them wives of the women of Moab, and they died. They died also. So the women were left, her and her two sons and her husband, uh, well, Naomi and Ruth and the other girl was left. Now Ruth and Naomi went back home, went back to Bethlehem and Judea. And when they was there, um, Ruth went out. And she gleaned in the field so that her and Naomi could have food. Well, the field that she was uh, gleaning in belonged to Boaz. To make a long story short, she went to Boaz, and Boaz wanted to make her um, his wife, but it actually fell to another man to take her to wife. Uh because he was the next in line to to marry, it was his uh, Naomi's. Anyway, it was the brother of the one of her, and anyway, Boaz went to him, and he asked him, "Do you want to take uh, Ruth to be your wife? Uh, if you don't, I will." 
and you know to get all this land and all this and everything but he said no i do not and he reached down and took his shoe off and gave it to boaz and uh, between all uh, right before all the elders and everything as witnesses so he he took uh ruth to be his wife but another thing i want to look at is is it says in verse 7 of deuteronomy 25 um and if the man will not take his brother's wife, then let his brother's wife go up to the gate and to the elders. Now then, this gate of the city, this this is a very, very important place. Uh, back when we were studying about uh, Lot uh, in the city of Sodom, of how that when the two angels approached the city, uh, that uh, Lot, was in the gate of the city with the elders and he got up and he met the two the two men they were there conducting business more than likely for the city of some sort the city gates of the city is not only a uh, a place where that the um the building it or the city is protected but it's also where all of the um the business and uh, courts and all of that was was uh, handled. Uh, I looked that up, and it says, besides being part of the city's protection against invaders, city gates were places of central activity in, in biblical times. It was at the gates that important business transactions were made. Court was convened. Public announcements were heralded. Accordingly, it is natural that the Bible frequently speaks of sitting in the gate or the activities that put, took place at the gate. A uh, couple things that went on. And, and like I said, uh, in uh, Genesis chapter 19, uh, it was the gate of Sodom uh, that Lot greeted the um, angel visitors to the city. And Lot was there with the other leading men of the city, either discussing today's issues or engaging in, in important city business. Uh, and, and we just studied not too long ago about the rebellious son, how that uh, the mother and the father would take the, the rebellious son to the gate of the city where the elders would examine him and pass judgment on him there. Um, and the one I just read uh, talked about is uh, in Book of Ruth where Ruth Boaz finally claimed the position of kinsman redeemer by meeting with the city elders of the gates of the Bethlehem. Uh, that's where the legal matters uh, relating to Ruth's marriage was settled. Different times in the Bible, as we go through the Bible, we're going to study about the gates of the city. Uh, there's there's very, a very, very important place. Uh, this is where the courts were. This is where all the business meetings and everything took place concerning the city this was this was where everybody was was gathered at <coughs> and uh every and the business was and this is this is another one of those things that as i was studying uh, my mind went off to I, I wanted to know exactly what uh i had read this several times and i wanted to know exactly what it all meant um and this this is what studying the Bible is all about. This is what uh, learning about uh, the the book, the Bible, and and all the different things in it. There's there's so many things in the Bible that 
if we just take the time to understand them, it, it will open things up so much more and it will have so much more meaning. But we need to take the time to to sit down and to study God's Word. And, and before we do that, we need to, to take time to pray and ask God to enlighten us and open our understanding and give us understanding and, and knowledge of His Word. I don't know it all, and, and I what little bit, some things that I do know and have studied, I have forgotten, and I get them twisted around just as I have today, but... You know, in the end, it, it, it's, it's there for us. We need to do this. We don't need to depend on others to so much to tell us about what thus saith the Word of God. We need to get into it ourselves, and we need to, to study it and read it ourselves, and we need to take the time to go to church and, and to listen to the, the ministers and the teachers and, and whatever. I know... Uh, Right now, we're just having one Sunday service, and uh, we have Sunday school and then preaching. Wednesday night, we have Bible study, which is very good. I enjoy that a lot. I get a lot out of Bible study. But this, this is when we need to be gathered together with our brothers and sisters. This is when we need to take part, take part in what's going on in the church, no matter where it where it. When it is, how many times a week it is, we need to be there whenever the church doors is open. And we need to have an open mind and know that, uh, that thus saith the, what thus saith the Word of God. But in order to do that and in order to make sure that the teachers and the preachers are telling us what's right, we need to have some knowledge of God's Word. And we need to take the time to read it. Listen, I hope you all got something out of this today. I know it might have been a little scattered and whatever, but uh, this, this, like I said, this is uh, one of those times that I sit down to study and I, I just I just go every which way to be thought of. My dad always said, he said, there's two types of messages. He said, you got a shotgun and you got a rifle message. The rifle message, you stay on the point the whole time. The shotgun message and you just go all over the place. So I guess I guess this lesson was a shotgun lesson. But I hope you got something out of it, and I thank you for listening. Until the next time, God bless you.